0: Since 2005, Blue Hat has been where the security research community and Microsoft come together as peers
1: to debate and discuss, share and challenge, celebrate and learn.
0: On the Blue Hat podcast, join me, Nick Fillingham,
1: and me, Wendy Zanoni, for conversations with researchers, responders and industry leaders, both inside and outside of Microsoft,
0: working to secure the planet's technology and create a safer world for all.
1: And now on with the Blue Hat podcast.
0: Welcome to the Blue Hat Podcast, Cameron Vincent. Cam, thanks for joining us. Thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now, Secretly Hidden is your Twitter handle. Do you use that handle broadly or have I just doxed you? (laughs) I, I do use it. I don't
2: use it to the point where like, you know, I'm tweeting every other day. But the reason I created that Twitter was because when I was first participating in like the Microsoft program, you know, you send in your name and then like a LinkedIn or Twitter. And I wanted to have something that proved like cause easily someone could would be like, Oh, well, you're not the Cameron Vincent on that list. And I'm like, Well, here's the Twitter. And a fun story with that was one time I was out and I was actually like talking to this girl and I was kind of bragging about me being on the list. And she's like, that's not you. And she made me tweet her name on the Twitter to verify it was me. Oh. So that's mainly why I did it. I needed proof that it was me. So I do use you it, needed, not- You
0: needed proof when you were out <laughs> socializing in your free time.
2: That's one scenario, but the so other- So if we go
0: through your Twitter feed, your history, is there just like a, a random person's name? I deleted them. He deleted it. I deleted it. Aww, <laughs> man. Ha <laughs> Well, let's shift gears a little bit. <laughs> you're joining us uh, on the Blue Hat podcast because you presented at Blue Hat 2023. Thank you so much for doing that. The recording is up on YouTube. We'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. And you're here on the podcast today to talk to us about that session, about that content and about your experience with with Blue Hat. For folks that have heard your name, have seen you present at other conferences, they'll know who secretly hidden is. But for those that haven't, can you give us a little bit of an introduction? Who is Cam Vincent, who is secretly hidden.
2: Sure. So, well, you know my name, obviously, now. And I used to be a full-time bug bounty hunter. And it's what led me to be being right here at this podcast right now. I participated in Microsoft's program pretty significantly, uh, to the point where I did it full-time for many years. And then about two years, almost two years ago, I joined Microsoft officially, and it's been one of the... Best decisions I've made. I really love being at Microsoft and everyone I work with. Like being able to do like a podcast like this. And you know, the Blue Hat event was awesome. Like if if you watched my talk, the first Blue Hat I went to was 2017, and it was crazy. I was like reminiscing. Like I I never thought I'd be there years later in presenting. So the event was awesome, and I, I really like just love everybody that I get to meet and hang out with. So yeah, that's you know kind of where I'm at now. And Cam, what is your role now at Microsoft? What are you currently employed to do? So I work in the Microsoft Security Response Center. And it's it's quite interesting. I work on the team now that reviews reports coming in from external researchers. So before I was on the other side sending those reports into that team, and now I'm actually reading them and reviewing them. And we also have our own little, you know, research projects on the side.
1: I know, Cameron, you and I have chatted on the side before on on some of these subjects and you were saying that when you were a researcher you you would you know you could see so many things you learned so many things but you didn't realize how much more and more interesting it is being on the internal side does that still hold true now yeah. that you're you an old hat here been here a long time
2: <laughs> I tell people I've learned more being at Microsoft the last year and a half than I did doing bug bounty full time the last 6 7 years you know cuz it, it just Well, one, you know, you're around some of the, you know, very, very smart individuals. So that, of course, really helps. I get to work with very, very smart people. And it's just the crowd, right? Like if I have a question, like the issue with the bug bounty game is you're, it's kind of like a lone wolf game a little bit. You know, generally, you don't want to get duplicates with someone because essentially, you know, it's first come, first serve. I have seen bug bounty hunters collab a lot and there are events, but... It's a very isolated game, um, and that's one reason I kind of was done with doing it full time. And being able to, like, if I have a question, I can just ping anyone, and everybody's so responsive, and I get to learn from them. So it still is definitely the learning experience here is incredible.
0: Cam, how would you sort of describe your your scope of expertise? You know, where, where do you spend your time? Where have you spent your time? And how do you sort of classify yourself in this space? So I I started
2: in web application, uh, but it's when I was a young kid I was actually doing hardware hacking. Uh, I would like hack the Xbox because I liked playing Call of Duty modded. Um, the original Xbox, Xbox One? Uh, no, the 360. Uh, that's to the point where like I convinced my dad one time to buy me a second one. I don't remember the reason I gave him, but he did it. And, oh man, if they came in my room, because I had ripped that thing apart, I just <laughs> ripped it apart trying to like mod it and hack it. And I I did eventually do some little cool things to it. But yep. And then from there, I, I kind of got into web application as I got older. And that's where I, like my expertise is. I really enjoy web application hacking. I'm trying to learn like reverse engineering now. And that's why being at Microsoft's awesome is because I know some very smart individuals who do reverse engineering and Dave said, if I have any questions, they'd be willing to help. So that's kind of like where I'm at right now. You
1: said 17. Was this is your first foray into breaking things apart and trying to figure it out?
2: So when I broke up the Xbox 360 and modded it, I was I was in the sixth grade. Um, oh my I was gosh. pretty young. Yeah, I don't, even, I, I don't even remember how old I was. Maybe it was that 12
0: years old or something. How did you even think at 12, oh, I'm, if I crack this thing open physically, I might be able to do things to it to allow me to get, I don't know, no clipping turned on in Call of Duty, or I don't know what you're trying to do. I haven't played a game since Doom, so I don't know what I don't know what the actual. Uh... It it was um I was in a game once and
2: this guy turned into a car. And he's oh. like, yeah, he's like, it was Nazi zombies like Call of Duty, and he was like running around as a car, and I was like, how how did he do that? And he showed me a YouTube video. So then I like watched the video and then I wanted my own Xbox so I could try to mod it and do the same exact thing. So that's kind of like how I, I got into it originally.
0: I remember in the first Xbox, you basically had to, if you wanted to mod a console until they had the software vulnerability uh, sort of hacks, you had to like put your own BIOS, you had to like, Take off, you didn't take the old BIOS off. I think you, you bypassed it with a chip that sat on top of it and then you sort of ran a, a modified BIOS through it. Is that what you were doing for Xbox 360? And then you're opening up like a console in the back end and uploading your own models or how'd that work?
2: So the 360 one was interesting. So there were two ways you could modify it. One was called hot swapping. And I, I know we, we work for Microsoft <laughs> right now, but this was a hilarious mod. What you for did for the was, next is, 45 minutes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you took apart the 360, right? And what would happen is this was the first time they introduced the ability to install your game to the hard drive. So it didn't have to just constantly be spinning the disk. Well, someone figured out a way where you'd put like the legit disk in, right? And they would like run a check saying, okay, is this a legit, you know, Call, Call of Duty disc? Okay, it is Install now to this console. Well, someone found a way if you take the whole thing apart to the point where you have access to the disc tray, as you like put the disc in, the moment you hit install, if you get, if you're really good with it, you immediately lift up the legit disc and put in your modded burned one down that has like all the modded files in. The Xbox gets tripped up and it would go... Well, you had the original disk in, I guess, so you're probably still good with this one, so I'll we'll let you install it still. That's if you just tried to put it in, it wouldn't do it. It would block you from doing it. But if you did that, that was one way. There were so many other mods going on. There were J tags, like just all these different ways. The Xbox 360 modding days were really awesome. Uh, it was really fun, but I, I don't know much about it nowadays. I don't even know if it's still around.
1: I mean, sixth grade, I was trying to figure out how to double dutch jump rope. I mean, I, can't, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm impressed.
2: <laughs> That's it, all because I wanted to be a car in a Call of Duty game. Wow. And, and so I from got banned, too, actually. And then from <laughs> there,
0: how long until you, uh, let's skip the banning and talk about when did you, when did you submit your first bug to, you know, any, any kind of bug bounty program? And then when did you receive your first sort of payment or your first, you know, accolade for a successful bug? Yep, so the first bug I ever submitted was May of 2016. And It was a kid who turned himself into a car in Call of Duty, <laughs> and you're like, he's a cheater. I'm sorry, keep going.
2: Well, listen, there was some scenario that did exist like that, but we can skip that part. But yeah, in May of 2016, I submitted my first submission up to Yahoo, and it was a duplicate. And then a few weeks later, I still remember, it was a subdomain takeover I submitted And it was like four in the morning because I stayed up all night trying to get it to work. I still remember that day like it was yesterday. It was seven, eight in the morning. And I woke up early because my little cousins came over and they were loud. Um, So I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going back to sleep now. And it was a hot day too. It was like 100 degrees. And I like woke up to an email that said, hey, thanks for this. Here's $900. And I, I still remember running downstairs to tell my mom and dad while they were outside with my cousins. And I was like, I just got $900 for hacking this like service. And they they couldn't wrap their head around it. They were like, how, how, how do you get paid? And I was like, it's PayPal. And they're like, oh, it's fake money then. And I'm like, well, no, it's legit. But yeah, I, I remember that day. Like it was yesterday. It was, it, man, it was like, like just finding that first legit vulnerability. It was one of the best feelings in the world. So yep. That, that's, and then from there, it just, it was a rabbit hole after that.
1: That
2: was a lot of money for that age, I bet. Oh, yeah.
0: It, I, was, I felt like I was on top of the world. <laughs> were, you, were you shouting packs of Pokemon cards to all your friends? Or like, how, how'd how you blow that $900? Yeah. I, I bought another computer. <laughs> oh, smart man. You invested. You, you invested back in on yourself. I,
2: I bought a gaming laptop with it. And then I used that to find vulnerabilities on um, Microsoft
0: starting like three months later. Got it. And so now let's jump forward to February of 2023, and you're presenting on stage at Blue Hat. And, you know, I was there for your session. I was also uh, had the sort of privilege to, to see the, the process by which uh, folks were submitting papers for the, for the, uh, for the conference. Um, this wasn't your only submission for Blue Hat. This was one of, was it three or two that you ended up submitting? Submitted two. You submitted two. And so this one, can you talk a little bit about the abstract? Uh, So how how you came up, you know, with the idea and sort of what's sort of the crux of the session for folks that haven't watched the the YouTube video? Sure.
2: So when I was doing a lot of my full-time bug bounty hunting, you know, I looked for all types of vulnerabilities, but there was a specific one I liked looking for. And, you know, the General term for it is insecure direct object references or IDOR for short. And under Microsoft and like Google's program, the way a lot of the services are set up, these IDORs kind of turn into cross tenant scenarios, which can be a little bit dangerous. You know, the scope can be very, very large. So. I found a really decent amount of these, right? And I'm not the only one that found these. I know other external researchers that also found these. So what led up to the talk was when I got hired at Microsoft uh, a year and a half ago, Sean Henschey, I did the talk with him as well. He told me about how he was developing a tool that would basically mimic how I would hunt for these issues because I was finding them so consistently. They wanted to try to figure out a way basically how to beat me at finding them and Uh, He went up and talked about that tool and how you could integrate it like in your own CI CD pipeline to try to find these issues. And I talk about how to find it manually, like in some examples on Google and Microsoft's program of specific like cross tenant
0: leak issues that were found. And that's kind of like what led to that talk. So, an IDOR, that acronym, that's insecure direct object reference. Yep. Is that right? Yep. And in your talk, you you show a video of you. Uh, I think it's Burp Suite, and you're basically sort of showing what's going on behind the scenes, both in uh, in G Suite and I think in in some Azure examples. And so this is the type of vulnerability that you would you would look for first. Is that is that right? Like whenever you would sort of pick up a, a new a new project or you'd, you'd sniff something, you'd you'd start here. Yep.
2: Whenever I saw a new API or something new that was released, I was testing for an iDoor. But one of the nice things I I tell, like a lot of people always ask me, how do I hunt Google? How do I hunt Microsoft? You know, iDoors were about 30% of my submissions, which is a pretty good number. But, you know, that other 70% were submissions just of basic knowledge of the product, you know they were very very unique findings and you know maybe someday I'll talk about them but I always tell people like uh, you know if you really want to hunt down Microsoft and Google spend a month learning the product before you actually try to find something because uh, it, it'll be it, it'll be really interesting what you can find when you know how the product really interacts with each other
1: i know a lot of researchers will just research any company that has a program and you know they'll just go for anything that is available you focus a lot on Microsoft and that must, you know, there must be a reason behind that. Like what makes the Microsoft program so great for researchers? Like why, why so much focus, even from such a young age and until now, now you're working here as a full-time employee. What are your thoughts on that?
2: There is a specific story for that. So the first finding I submitted to Microsoft was September of 2016. And it was, it was two XSS vulnerabilities and that was a very good payment. I remember, still, I remember showing my mom that payment, and she was just amazed. And about June of 2017, someone from the Microsoft program reached out to me, and they were like, hey, are you going to DEF CON this year? I never even flew on a plane before. I did not want to go. And then I was like, maybe I should go. Like, maybe it's a good idea to go meet individuals at Microsoft. And I ended up going. And it was one of the smartest decisions I ever made being around like I was able to meet so many awesome people at the time that I was emailing with directly. And they took me to dinner. They were asking me, like, what are your goals in life? You know, where do you see yourself? And after that meeting them, I kind of was like, you know, these are people that I could see myself working with more. So that's kind of like what led me more into like, I want to keep working with these people. I enjoyed spending time with them. I want to see them at future events. And it was a very, very, very good decision.
1: I agree. I mean, I know myself. I think I'm like the biggest evangelist on like how awesome this company is. And so I'm, I'm right there with you. Great, great company, great team, great people.
0: hundred percent agree. And so coming back to the the, the Blue Hat session. So this, this was your first time presenting at Blue Hat or you had presented... Previously, first time presenting at Blue Hat,
2: and I the, I went to Blue Hat back in 2017 one time uh, also, but I didn't present as an there. attendee.
0: Yep, yep. Got it. And and what was your experience at 2017? You know, Blue Hat, you know, for listeners of the podcast, it's Microsoft Security Research Conference. It's been going since 2005. Uh, we had a bit of a break over COVID, but back uh, for the first in-person uh, in Redmond was uh, just in February of 2023. The Israel event is happening uh, later in March of 2023. But yeah, Cam, your, your experience as an attendee and then how similar slash different was that being on the presenting side there was two
2: big differences uh, the first one was i was kind of still early in my career and i remember watching some of the talks and they just flew right over my head like i had no idea what i was even listening to so it really goes to show the growth that happened over the last you know 2017 6 years that's crazy uh you know to really see like you know as time goes on how much more knowledge you know one can acquire so that was the first thing the second thing was being an attendee at that time was different because it's it was way different now, well, speaking was one thing, but also being an employee of Microsoft, you know, just over the years of all the relationships I developed, you know, like at the time it was, it was a few individuals that knew me because I had only started hunting on that program or the Microsoft program for like the last, you know, eight months or whatever. So... It was awesome this time around like I just knew so many people and it was just so awesome to like just constantly run into people like hey how you doing or like someone I've never met before like one person I ran into at this last blue hat she was a case manager for me 5 years ago and it was just crazy to run into her and be like do you remember my cases and she's like i do remember doing some of your cases and i was like that's crazy that i'm finally meeting you so it was it was very interesting to like meet old friends that i had worked with years ago that i never met before
1: i love being at blue hat and you know you you've you've been on the stage a few times for you know for strike and for blue hat and for those that don't know what strike is strike is a microsoft internal security and awareness training program that we have and cameron was wonderful on the stage but seeing him like in the crowd and you see people just flock to you, it's just, you've got such a great personality. It's open. You're, you're happy to share, happy to talk, happy to be on stage and be interviewed. And I think that speaks a lot to your success, both as a researcher, but also as an employee here at Microsoft. It's, you're the, the whole package of personality and, and you're just so open and, and we appreciate that. Can't wait to get you back on the stage even more because you're a fan favorite for sure
2: i I appreciate you including me. I really am thankful for that, so yeah, please invite me more.
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> absolutely. I think whether you like it or not you're you're going to be included <laughs> in, in multiple events. Um, I want to come back to the session that you did you did present. I've got a couple of questions there, but before I do you know mention I sort of hinted there that you submitted two. The one that wasn't accepted, it was less that it sort of wasn't accepted, I you know, just a little sort of, you know, inside baseball here and more that we, we sort of ran out of time and space to fit everything in. But it was a really interesting topic that we do want to explore, uh, whether it's through the MSRC blog or whether it's through uh, the Blue Hat podcast or, or, or other avenues. Do you want to talk a little bit, little bit more about that, Cam? Can I put you on the spot? Sure, sure. So, yeah, there was another
2: submission I sent in and it was in relation to, you know, a lot of people ask me, why did I stop doing bug bounty hunting full time? You know, I was going strong six years and everything was working out. But the the problem with bug bounty hunting is there's a little bit of mental health issues with it. The first problem is you are isolated. I get it. Like, you know, Hacker One, for example, will hold events. You well, you know, Blue Hat is an event. But COVID really made it worse because, you know, as a bug bounty hunter, you're already somewhat pretty isolated. And then, you know, Hacker One would have an event maybe every four or five months or something. And that was I was I never went to the, any of the events, but I knew a lot of bug bounty hunters that did. And that was a way for them to, you know, get out, relax. That's why I loved DEF CON and Black Hat, for example. It was like my vacation essentially. And So bug bounty hunting was already very isolated. And then COVID just like took the little hints of time that we had to actually be with other individuals completely away as well. So there's that problem with it. There's no matter how good you are at it, I could go on a streak of finding a bug a day for an entire month or not finding a bug for an entire month. And both ways would eat you up to the point where like, okay, well, if I don't find a bug right now, I'm not getting paid. If I'm not getting paid... Am I going to be able to survive? Am I not finding bugs because I'm not good enough anymore? Did they fix them all? You know, and other bug bounty hunters I've talked to about this, like top ones in other programs, they say the same thing. Like, you find one bug, you feel good for a few hours, and that whole thing just resets. You got to go right back to it. Like, there's no breaks. There's no like, oh, well, if I... I'm not working right now. I'm not finding bugs. Someone else could be finding them. Is it a duplicate? Is it not a duplicate? It's, you got to have very, very strong mental health to be a full time bug bounty hunter. And, I know a lot of them, I see them on Twitter and they vouch for mental health, but there's some that just remain very, very quiet and they're just very, very into it. And one of the biggest things that always stuck with me was one day, Google also had an event years ago in London where they invited some of their top researchers. And one bug bounty hunter asked me, uh, so how much do you hunt? And I literally told him, I'm like, every day, nonstop, I don't do anything else. And he was like, you're going to burn out. And I was like, no, I'm not. You don't know what you're talking about. Don't worry about me. And I did burn out and it did hit me hard. So, yeah, bug bounty and, and mental health aspect is is very, very important. And it's something I try to vouch for a lot because, uh, you know, it will eventually eat you up if you don't pay attention to it.
1: Especially when you're on Twitter and you see everyone like, hey, I found this bug, I got paid yep. all this money, and you're just banging your head against your keyboard.
2: <laughs> exactly. Like, I can't tell you how many times I'd find a bug and I'd purposely try to find it on Twitter to see if someone else tweeted it and I'm
0: about to get a duplicate. Like, it just is, it's very stressful. How did you deal with it? How are you sitting here now? What changes have you made? You know, obviously a very personal question. So, you know, <laughs> feel free to be as you know, you, you can tell me to shut up if you want to not, <laughs> not say this on a podcast. But you know, you're you're obviously as you're sitting here, you're you're gainfully employed, you you seem to be able to put a smile on your face, you know, these are these are positive things. Um what changes have you made? To address sort of the the stress and the burnout that you did encounter, and 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 you know, and, and I guess I'm asking in a sense of like, what are your tips and tricks? You know, what what would you have talked about in this session had it had it sort of been presented at the conference? So the the talk was like more of a, a story at first. Essentially,
2: I knew I hit burnout where when I was doing Bug Bounty, my work was so important to me. That's all I wanted to do, and then one day, eventually. My goal out of Bug Bounty always was a house. That was always my goal. And then eventually, a couple years ago, I finally got a house. And then it's just kind of like, I don't know, like my mind was kind of like, what's the point now? Like I've reached the goal out of it. I don't really, my work ethic was just slowly declining as the weeks were going on. Like I just, I didn't want to wake up and do, but I basically reached burnout. Like I was warned about, I didn't want to work. I didn't want to send any bugs in. I didn't want to find any.
0: I was done. I was sick of it. So I was warned. I didn't listen. And it finally hit me. I mean, that sounds like classic depression too, right? Like we say, but you you say burnout. And obviously that is. But those sound like pretty, those are the depression symptoms, right? I just, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything. I've got no motivation for, I mean, I, I I don't want to put words in your mouth. But like, do you feel that like, burnout in this sense and what we think of as sort of classic depression are the same thing or at least very similar? I think they can be
2: correlated. You know, sometime later in my career, I'll go more deeper into it because there is more involved here. But yeah, I mean, you know, like my work is everything to me. Like I love my work and I love like hunting for vulnerabilities. And yeah, like to see that month of me just not wanting to do anything it was quite interesting. You know, I was still getting out of bed, you know, don't get me wrong with that. But I didn't even want to open a computer. Like I was just, you know, and even when I was, you know, trying to find issues or something, I was just sitting there like, I'm I'm just sick of this. So essentially what happened was is uh, one day I reached out to, so there's someone, uh, my boss, well, not my direct boss there's I don't want to drop his name here exactly because I don't know not really many individuals know who he is but he's someone that he was he's basically the way the the team I'm on right now he made it the way it is like there's like 14 15 people on the team I'm on now originally it was just him so me and him go like years back and one day I emailed him and I was like hey we haven't talked in a while like you know do you want to have a conversation? You know, I don't know. I was just reaching out. You could look at it subconsciously. Something else was probably going on, but it wasn't just a random email probably. So he, you know, we talked on teams and he, the first thing he asks me is, would you like to try for a position? And I've been offered a position before this, but I was always on edge because I wanted to keep doing bounty hunting. I can't tell you how a hundred percent. I knew at that moment, I was done with bounty hunting and I was ready to move on from it and try for a position at Microsoft. So that was what I did. I knew I had to, I knew I had to change something up. There's other options. You know, some people told me take a break, you know, go on a trip vacations, like going on a trip somewhere like that you've never been before is something that really helps, you know, clear your head. But for me going to blue hat, for example, and seeing all of you and like just hanging out with all of you and being at the event and like talking to the crowd and the audience, like that, like was enough for me. Like that's a great like mental escape, for example. So that's why like COVID was so tough. Like it just, it just like got rid of you you basically already had like mental health problems in the world and then that just really fueled it. So that's why I, I'm a really big believer in like being able to see individuals every now and again. So that's something I always employ people to do. Like if you could go to DEF CON, do it. You know, don't be scared. I was scared at first. My mom literally cried when I was getting on the plane. So <laughs> do it. It, you, it, will, it. You won't regret it. You know, it's a great experience to be able to see other individuals in person. So that's what I always recommend.
1: What I really appreciate amongst many things, as you know, Cameron, is you have all this experience. You've been doing this for so long. You have a house from, you know, hunting bugs. I mean, that's huge. And then when you, we have worked with you, you were so open to feedback, you know, I'm here, I'm going to do a dry run of my presentation. Yes, give it to me, you know, and, and that I think is a, is a great attribute because, you know, you are evolving, you are learning, and you have so much more ahead of you. But it is so appreciative how involved you are and open. Like it's, it's we're a team. We all work together. We're all working together for Microsoft, and you just absolutely embody that. And and I, again, this is probably why we ask you to speak so many times. But I like that that drive of learning and curiosity and just continuously moving forward. So. I think you should just keep doing that and then, you know, be a beacon for those that are also learning, to, you know, like you're saying, don't be afraid, get out there. I know that um, people that are gonna be listening to this podcast and they're gonna, you know, find you on Twitter and maybe ask you some questions because you
2: are an inspiration for sure. I'm really glad you say that because when I first started bug bounty hunting, I was super arrogant. Like I did not want to hear feedback. You, I was like, I'm <laughs> The best at what I do. Don't even you can't tell me I'm wrong. So yeah, it's it's I'm glad to hear that from you. And other individuals at Blue Hat who knew me years ago said the same thing, like, yeah, you've you've definitely grown up and I'm proud of you. So
0: I'm yeah, very appreciative of that comment for sure. Plus one to everything Wendy said. And, you know, thank thank you for 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 being that that role model. Um to to sort of summarize, you know, thinking about sort of you know burnout, it sounds like you did a couple things. Sound like you 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 certainly endorse going and being amongst the community. So whether it's DEF CON, whether it's Blue Hat, whether it's your local you know B sides or or hacker meetup, whatever it is, go and be among your like minded community. It feels like that's a really important step. Can that be virtual as well as in person? You know, for folks that might be remote or or you know not comfortable being you know around other people. You know, community, community, community. You know, would you agree that that's sort of one of your your sort of takeaways here?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Virtual for sure. Like, you know, participate in forums, you know, anything of that nature. Everybody's different. Like I like in-person meeting. And for me, like being able to interact with people in person helps me. But, you know, virtual is the same exact way. A lot of people prefer virtual and there's nothing wrong with that as well. It's just like for me like when i did bug bounty hunting i didn't want to talk or deal with anyone this is my findings my work you know i don't want duplicates with anyone and just that that huge amount of isolation will eventually like very eat you up so you know don't be afraid to you know put yourself out there and you know interact with the community
0: i i highly encourage it and then it sounds like the other thing is you reached out to you know you maybe you didn't even know why you were reaching out but you reached out you know in this case it sounds like it was you know the person that would eventually become your either your hiring manager or your current current manager but you you reached out to someone that you had a sort of a mentorship relationship with that would that yep. be right or is that yep. like again i'm trying to work out what would this how would you turn this into advice for folks listening to the podcast <laughs> i'll just be clear about it like yeah i mean i wasn't reaching
2: out cuz i was trying to have a coffee chat with him like i knew what was going on my subconscious was definitely trying to get out of the situation I was in. So me and this specific person, we've spoken numerous times throughout the years. And this was a very like I said, he offered me positions before, like to try for some, you know, jobs. And I always was on the edge because I wanted to keep doing bounty hunting at the time. Uh, but I'm I'm almost positive my subconscious was doing this saying, I hope he offers me a position because I can't take this anymore and I want to get out. So yep. And then I started about 3 months after that and I was very very happy about it.
1: In the same vein of advice for folks out there that are listening, if someone is listening and wants to get into bug bounty hunting or just security in general and they have no idea where to begin, what would you say the first step would be? I mean, obviously going in, you know, there's there's some obvious, you know, educational paths, but you know, what is something that you see from your perspective as the most effective beginning?
2: So the way I learned was I read public disclosure reports that other finders were finding. And you can go find these on like GitHub or HackerOne. I know there's books on Amazon also really help, like buying books. But for me, reading how services directly were actually vulnerable to issues really was the best way to learn. Like, how did this individual do this to a certain company? You know, and you can literally look up like bug bounty public disclosures, you know, online, and you'll find a huge chunk of, there's probably even more now than when I was reading them years ago. So that was the biggest way, like learn from how all these other top individuals were finding stuff. And then from there, you'll kind of develop your own strategies and methods of how to do it as well. That's what helped me.
1: It probably also helps you learn how to format your report that you submit when you do find a bug.
2: Include a video. That's another big advice. Make videos with your reports. That was, that's always, I would always include videos because whenever I would submit something and they had questions, I got sick and tired of answering questions. So I'm like, listen, I'm just going to include videos also now. And that was like a huge deal, like adding a video.
0: I feel like we could we could do another podcast episode uh just on sort of best practices for submitting a, a bug bounty because you know it's sort of it's sort of ironic that the way that you said like or oh, you know, I got sick and tired of answering the questions from my case manager. So I just recorded a video of me going through the whole thing and what you stumbled upon was actually maybe the best practice for for how to submit submit a bug. So we might sort of table that one, Cam to talk about at another time. But you know. Wendy, to your question, and and Cam, when I listened to your Blue Hat session, I was standing on the side, uh, you know, listening to you present. And then, obviously, shout out to Sean Hinchy as well, who was your co-presenter. I loved... That your session, while both of you are Microsoft employees, you were essentially telling the two sides of the story. You were telling sort of the vulnerability hunter, the hacker, the the red team side, and then you and then Sean was telling sort of the blue team side through the lens of, of, of some of these bugs that you found. You talk about some of the techniques that you use. You talk about burp suite, and you talk about, you know, how you go about sniffing out some of these eye-door. What is it? It's not a credential. It's an it's an object, right? That's that, yep. that is object IDs. Yeah, an like object that. ID. And so I think you know if anyone wants to dip their toe in the water, they could really just sort of go and watch the YouTube recording of your session and get some ideas of maybe how to, how to start. You know, you can download a free version of Burp Suite, I think, and you can just sort of start playing around with it. Um, and, uh, do you, you know, are there any tutorials that, that you would recommend or any YouTube channels or any folks on Twitter? or Is Burp Suite a great place to start or is that a little maybe too advanced? If you want to get into web application hacking, you
2: will need to learn Burp Suite, in my opinion. It is a very essential tool. I will say this, it, you know, the the free version is very, very good. And to the point where that's that was the only version I used when I did my bug bounty hunting. So it is a very, very good version. There were times I wish I had the professional one. I just, you know, kind of worked my way around it and did something manually. But it it, it is funny you say that. Someone recently I, I met was like, you know, I kinda wanna do what you do, how do I learn? And I literally have been referencing that talk, saying if you wanna see some exact submissions and tutorials, go watch the talk. I show you exactly how I was doing it. So
0: yes, the talk is another great area to learn. Now, without giving away the talk, or at least without giving away the ending of the talk, was Sean and team successful in creating a tool, a process, uh, a way to automate some of the the findings that you were submitting so consistently? Yep, it does work. And you know he he gives examples of this but you
2: know one of the the best examples i think we had is when we were working on it together one time I, like a year ago he ran it against this one product and it said this one area was vulnerable and i was confused because i was like that's not true i already found that area i reported it it was fixed it's done and then we're like, okay, let's go take another look at it. And it was vulnerable again. There was a regression, so you know it helped us find an area that was fixed. And then the issue came back. So yes, the, there there are working proof of concepts with the tool. It's a it's an awesome tool. Sean did an amazing job on it.
1: Did he name it after you?
0: Yeah. Is it called the <laughs> Secretly Hidden Tool? Is it called Vince, Vincentovia Three <laughs> Thousand? You know what?
2: I should have made a bigger hassle about that because it's not. Uh, it's it's called yeah it's called generator and correlator but yeah I guess you're right it should have been named after me <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was your moment
0: <laughs> maybe you could rename your your online presence as generator correlator and then you can sort of claim that linkage sort of it's, it's sort of like a backronym I could do that as well some ideas here. <laughs>
1: Cameron, I want to ask you a question that has nothing to do with bug bounty, nothing to do with with security. What does Cameron like to do when he's not hunting bugs or doing anything security related? What else? What's the other side of Cameron? What do you like?
2: I like video games to an extent, not as much as when I was a kid. I like cars. I have some very, very close friends uh, that you know, aren't really in InfoSec. So I like to spend time with them, you know, hang out with them a lot. You know, it, it really is most of my, it's, you know, most of my weeks are, you know, I, I like to kind of like be in the zone and then work. And that's one reason I love being at Microsoft is they're very big on vouching. Like, listen, if you're off the clock, be off the clock, because that was the problem with bug bounty, right? Like, I don't want to be off the clock. I want to keep working. And eventually that, you know, explodes. And, That's on the weekends, I'll spend time with my friends. You know, I just kind of relax, you know, maybe I'll read a book about other types of different, you know, things related to cybersecurity. But for me, it's it's all about like, I'm big on like relaxing and, you know, just clearing your mind. It's very, very important.
1: Sounds like you've found the perfect balance since before.
2: (laughs) Yeah, before it was work, don't talk to me. I don't have anything to do with you. If I'm not working,
0: that's all it is. Well, I think we're coming up on time. Cam, you've been incredibly generous with us. Again... Uh, You had a great talk at uh, Blue Hat 2023 in partnership with Sean Hinchy and a big big shout out to Sean. We'll we'll get Sean on the podcast one day and we'll put that link in the show notes. You can go to YouTube. You can search for Blue Hat 2023. You can search for Cameron Vincent if you want to go find it. It's a great session. Cam, where can we find you online? Uh, What are you up to next that you want to sort of promote and or is, you know, anything you would like folks to reach out to you about? if they want to learn more or have a, you know, continue the discussion. I always tell individuals, if you have any questions,
2: always reach out to me on Twitter. My, my DMs are open. You know, I I love talking about this stuff. No, I'm not going to hack, you know, your ex-girlfriend's Facebook. But if you have questions about bug bounty specifically, I'd be more than happy to talk to, to you about it, you know, and if, if you, especially with like mental health and bug bounty. The, the best advice I, I can say is like, if, if you're really struggling with it, take a break. You have to like I people told me to take a break and I did not listen. You have to sh- turn your computer off, push the battery out, do
0: something because uh, it, it will catch up to you for sure. And if people have questions about that, you're 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 cool with them pinging you on yep. Twitter to, yep. to have a conversation. I have no issue with it. That is very generous of you. Thank you. Thank you, Cam. And then and then what's next for you? Are you going to be talking you know, any conferences coming up? You got any blog posts in the work? What's uh, what can you talk about? So there's, yes,
2: uh, always doing interesting research and hopefully future conferences, for sure. It's difficult getting, some conferences are very competitive, but yes, uh, you know, keep a look out on my Twitter. And I always tweet anything uh, that I'll be talking about.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Cam, for joining us. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. I can't wait. I think we actually have another event, an internal event that you're going to be participating on. So um, we love you for that. And we look forward to having you on the next time. Thank you very much.
0: Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for joining us for the Blue Hat Podcast.
0: If you have feedback, topic requests, or questions about this episode,
1: please email us at bluehat@microsoft.com or message us on Twitter at msftbluehat.
0: Be sure to subscribe for more conversations and insights from security researchers and responders across the industry
1: by visiting bluehatpodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.